To love learning. To laugh. To love. To be loved. To see beauty. To understand. To bring grace. To the things that matter most. This is Psychology America with Dr. Alexandra. Welcome to my show. For every life stage, we have questions. Let's enhance our lives together as we explore the things that matter most. This episode is dedicated to Ginny's House, a nonprofit organization that I support, which provides 100% free therapy for abused children. Learn more at Ginny'sHouse.org. In my podcast, Episode 7, entitled Commitment to Self-Care and Self-Care for Commitment, I discuss five life habits that I've found helpful for taking care of my energy. Because what good is free time if we have no energy within that free time to pursue our most meaningful commitments? One of the strategies I mentioned is that I take care of my sleep through the principles of sleep hygiene. My guest today is Anna Urbaniak, who can normally be found providing psychological care to U.S. military veterans at the VA hospital in East Orange, New Jersey. Anna, who specializes in exposure-based treatments for anxiety disorders, is here with us today to talk about how we can get our best sleep through sleep hygiene principles. Thanks for coming today, Anna. Thank you for having me. I think the listeners might want to know about your charming accent. Well, I came um, to U.S. when I was 13 from Poland, and the accent stuck. <laughs> kind of hard <laughs> to get rid of it since then. Um, well, it's been an interesting journey coming here and trying to kind of learn the culture and adjust to everything and get still have the little reminder, which is my accent, that you're not from yeah. here. Um so as I was mentioning a little before, I have uh, an interesting story that I always mention how different it is yes. coming from one country to the other and like learning different standards. So for instance, in Poland, when you're in school, you always stand up when you're talking to a teacher or when they come in, say good morning or, you know, you when stand leaving up. Mm-hmm, to show respect. So um, when I moved here, it was very interesting to see everyone just sitting in, you know, in their chairs, not really doing anything. They just kind of like talk to the teacher. I'm like, what, what's going on? That's so weird. You know, like, why are they just like <laughs> talking to the teacher like that? So I was kind of getting like a little, like, wait, wait, I'll show them, you know, like I'll show them the proper way. So I barely spoke <laughs> any English at that moment. I raised my hand and tried to be like, you know, like, okay, this is, this is where you, how you answer a question. I stood up. Everyone's like, oh my God, why is she standing? <laughs> the teacher's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, come down, come down. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just, I just want to answer the question. <laughs> it was a math class too. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so that's when I learned that there's a lot of differences. Here. <laughs> that's a risk at, at age 13. Uh, the invisible audience is very, very important to mm-hmm. teenagers. <laughs> and, and that's, I'm referring to how they feel. Like there's constantly an invisible audience of people watching them. Yeah. And um, yet you did that. so to begin with this topic about sleep I was thinking about it and I I was thinking about my grandfather from Brazil who was a judge Mm -hmm. and he said don't make important decisions at night 
Don't have important conversations at night. Wait until the morning. And I recently read a research study which supported that from a neuroscience mm-hmm. perspective. And um, in this study, a Dr. Thomas wanted to know exactly what happens to our brains when we don't sleep. He looked at PET scans of people who hadn't slept for 24 hours, and he found out that they lost 7% of their brain function. And while 7% might not seem like a lot, the loss of function was mostly in the areas that affect perseverance, problem-solving, and foresight. So, and also our general ability to process what we see and what we hear. Mm -hmm. So we all know that dull feeling when we haven't slept, but now we're talking about problem-solving and foresight. So Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see that he was right in that sense. Oh, definitely. There's, I mean, when you're not having enough sleep, when you're sleep deprived, it impacts a lot of other functions as well. So for instance, um, other cognitive functions are being impacted, such as your attention, your memory, um, as you said, the thinking process. Um, so all of that stuff is impacted. Mm-hmm. Your circadian rhythms can get off a track. And I'm going to um, mention a little bit more what circadian rhythm yeah. is. It's kind of what keeps us, um, like regulates our daily functions. So not only our sleep, and um, but it also impacts our hormone release and liver functions. So circadian rhythms are very important to kind of keep in check. Um, Can you explain a little more about what they are? Sure. So circadian rhythms is um, it's kind of a mechanism that's influencing this whole process. It's called the suprachiasmic nucleus. Yes. Um, and it follows this oscillatory pattern every 24 hours. So that's kind of like our internal clock that's keeping us up in the morning, wakes us up, or helps us go to sleep at night. And same thing with when we digest and all every other little aspect of our functioning is impacted by this little internal clock, which is also actually impacted by light. So while we might sometimes when you're driving throughout night and it's starting to get very light out and you feel more energy, it's kind of being like reminded, like, oh, wait, wait, it's kind of, we need to reset a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, or like, for instance, in hospitals at night, they have like very bright lighting. Yeah. There's a reason for it to kind of keep your circadian rhythms being like, wait, wait, no, this is still functioning time. This is not bedtime just yet. Yes. Yeah. Cause they know about that. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, I also have learned that lack of sleep affects leptin. Leptin is something that's released, which suppresses our appetite. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have enough sleep, it decreases the amount of leptin that's released. So what that means is when we don't have enough sleep, our appetite goes up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, other things that is being impacted in like physical um, being too, not only just our appetite, but for instance, our emotional functioning is also impacted um, or even like our antioxidant defense gets impacted by lack of sleep because if we don't sleep enough it, it like we're not allowing our molecules to kind of expose all the toxins okay so decreased sleep decreases antioxidant defense responses which is not good so i know that for our circadian rhythms to keep those in order mm-hmm. it's best if we go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time correct 
and to stick to it, mm-hmm. kind of make a commitment. It's the best way to kind of keep them in like a regular circadian rhythm, the best healthy circadian rhythm for us, yes. Yes. I have a question about that. Mm-hmm. I, I remember a patient who had a day job, but also a night job, both in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And this is what he needed to do to survive. He needed he needed this income. So he needed to work these two jobs. But as a result, he got only five hours of sleep every night for six days a week. Mm-hmm. Is it good for him to sleep a lot on the seventh day and get out of his rhythm of going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. It's not good for his circadian rhythm because it dysregulates it. If you have one set schedule every day that you sleep five hours, that's kind of set your circadian rhythm to that. It's getting used to that. So when you have that one day that you sleep more, even though it decreases your sleep depth that you're developed throughout the week, it completely dysregulates your circadian rhythm. So the next morning when you have to wake up and go to sleep within those certain hours you had before, it's going to completely mess you up in a way. And you're going to feel more tired, more groggy, and it's just not going to be very helpful. So he'll have that jet lag feeling if he does the catch up. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I'm hearing you say is that it's better, is it better for his health to still maintain the same exact schedule on that day off? Yes, it will, be, it will be helpful for him, at least in the for the time being, to maintain that circadian rhythm to be consistent for him. Hmm. What else can we do for uh, what other sleep hygiene principles can you share with listeners? Well, it's very important to not eat, for instance, very heavy meals right before bedtime. Um, oftentimes, people would snack or. Uh, They will have a huge meal right before going to bed. It's best to not eat anything heavy three to four hours before going to sleep. Um, Like our sleep hygiene kind of revolves a couple hours before going to bed. So whether it be drinking coffee, depends on how caffeine impacts you, how caffeine, like how much tolerance you have to caffeine. So some people can not even drink a cup of coffee or soda throughout the day because that's going to be too much for them right um but it's the safest bet if you're an adult and like in like around 2 p.m it's better to kind of cease drinking coffee if you want to have a good night's sleep because coffee the caffeine is released a little bit later on like within five hours in your system um drinking alcohol even though people often drink alcohol to help them go to sleep it facilitates falling asleep, the sleep onset. But Mm -hmm. throughout the night, you don't get as deep of a sleep, as restorative of a sleep if you drink alcohol beforehand. Does it matter which alcohol or are they all the same? Pretty much they're all the same. And same thing is actually with smoking marijuana. Some people smoke uh, often to kind of help fall asleep, but it's kind of same thing as with alcohol. The level is not going to be as restorative, it's not going to be the quality of sleep you would desire to have. Hmm. So both help with the onset of sleep, mm-hmm. but the overall is that you have a lighter sleep that's not as nourishing. Yeah, lighter, you wake up more often, and it's just like overall it's not going to be as good of a sleep. Yes. And what about light and the role of light 
Oh, well, a light is one of the stimulants that kind of can keep you up at night. As I mentioned, the circadian rhythm, um, it's impacted by light. So having anything bright, it might just keep you up. Or even if you have like a blinking light, some people get very light sensitive mm -hmm. to the point that a printer's or like a computer monitor light blinking can be too much stimulation for their body to not get a proper rest. Um, so it's best to have either like if you're so sensitive to light or the noise, noise is also very important um, and having a mm -hmm. nice calm sleep um, to either wear earplugs and have the sleeping masks on. Or try to put any curtains to kind of block any lights from outside or the noise cancellation ones. Um, and another proper hygiene for sleep is to maintain temperature to be lower. So like 65 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit is the most optimum temperature for our bodies to sleep. Wow. Yeah. Couples have a lot of disagreements over that. Yes. So 65 to 67. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to fall asleep to the TV. Yes. And that's another kind of it one, it's the two things at once, right? You have the light and you have the noise. So um, if you're an individual that really needs that noise, that you cannot fall asleep in complete silence, or it's so noisy because you have a very busy traffic light, having something kind of like a white noise is okay. But having TV on, even though you might feel more comfortable to fall asleep with, throughout the night, you're going to have, again, those waking up to. Um, and it's not going to be as, again, restorative of a sleep as if you would not have TV on. Right. But some people feel themselves getting conditioned to it and getting used to their body. Like they need to have the constant simulation. So is it true that blue light is worse for um, suppressing the melatonin? Correct. That's why a lot of cell phones now have the blue light. Um, you can change them off. Like there's yeah. an option before. Filter. Going, yes. Mm -hmm. It's going to help be able to slowly ease you into bed. Mm -hmm. One of the guests on my podcast from the first episode, Dr. Deb, she likes to awaken every night in the middle of the night to work on projects, creative oh. projects like pottery and mm -hmm. gourmet cooking. And she just loves this time. So she sleeps for a while and then wakes up for a few hours and then goes back to sleep. Interesting. It is a regular schedule for her. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about it. This historian, Roger E. Kirk, talked about how the early modern Europeans did this. They divided their sleep into first sleep and second sleep. And during that era, very few people had access to candles. So mm -hmm. they didn't have light after the sun went down. So they would go to sleep. And then midway, they would wake up. They would go to the pub, clean the house, have sex, and then mm -hmm. go back to sleep again. I'm wondering if someone were to create this sort of schedule, but keep it exactly the same in terms of go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. What mm -hmm. do you think of that? Well, that's kind of the first time I'm hearing of something like that, to be honest. Um, but I can imagine it working if you are going to be consistent with it. Okay. Because uh, throughout our day, there's something called homeostasis 
static pressure that's being released that's kind of making us sleepy. That's where we're kind of feeling the more we have it throughout the day kind of like increases like correspondingly to the proportion of time we are awake. And then when we're sleeping, it decreases. So it's kind of like the sleep, you know, lowers down the pressure. So mm-hmm. I guess like if you are doing it consistently with your circadian rhythm and you got to use your body, like use, you condition your body to be used to it. I can see it working for some people. I wonder what you were calling homeostatic pressure. Mm-hmm. Is it is it also referred to as the sleep drive? Correct. So like when you nap, the sleep drive is reset, mm-hmm. which is why napping is sometimes not a good plan. Correct. If you sleep too long, I mean, if you nap for too long and then it turns out into sleep when you hit the REM sleep, that's going to disturb your sleep throughout the night. Because you're hit that, even though you're feeling so sleepy, you want, oh, no, let me just, you know, kind of lower down homeostatic mm-hmm. pressure in a way. You are subsequently disturbing your circadian rhythm because your body thinks like, oh, we're going to sleep, but you're not really going to sleep. Because then that's why a lot of times when you wake up from a nap, it feels you feel so much worse than beforehand. Mm-hmm. I have felt worse, like a jet lag feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so in general... Napping is is not encouraged. Depends on what time of day, um, how often you're going to nap, or how long you're going to nap for. The best type of naps are like with a less than 90-minute naps. Okay. So you don't – because our sleep cycle is from 90 minutes to 110 minutes approximately. So if you can sleep, let's say, half an hour, might be just enough to kind of get a little bit of that rest – but not had the very deep stages of sleep. So you kind of have a little bit more restorative nap time. You're going to wake up a little more refreshed. Yes. What about teenager brains <laughs> and how much sleep they need? Well, the reason why teenagers are seen to need so much more sleep um, is because their homeostatic pressure is different than adults, for instance. Um so for them, they're, they have much slower homeostatic um, pressure. So like the body needs sleep like sl- in a slower pace. In a slower pace? I'm Cor- trying to understand what you mean. So um, as I was saying, like you know how the homeostatic pressure kind of increases throughout the day. So as the sleep, time yeah, what I call the sleep drive. Yes. So like as the sleep drive kind of increases throughout the day. And uh, for uh, teenagers and young adults, it's slower. So for them to start feeling actually tired is going to be later on throughout the day closer to like 11 p.m or midnight that's oh, where you have so our sleep drive runs on a shorter cycle not necessarily a shorter cycle but it's a little bit faster mm-hmm. but for teenagers it takes a little longer to get to the point where they need the sleep so that's why oftentimes teenagers are up to late hours of the night right and because of the school system being set up to wake up in early mornings when the the teenagers have to wake up the parents typically wake them up or their alarm clocks have to wake them up but they're woken up in a time when they don't get enough sleep once yeah. they finally hit, uh, hit that sleep pressure when they're like okay you really need to sleep now right so they're always kind of in this constant feeling tired and like oh i want more sleep i want to sleep in and it's so hard to get them up in the morning because it's completely different so our Set school in the United States in the Northeast, our school system is not 
designed well to suit their sleep, you're saying? Yes, not necessarily. Uh, some studies have tried to experiment with that and even set a school time for a little, an hour later, and they found it was easier to get people in school. They were more like alert when they were in school and during hour later time. But it seems that teenagers need more sleep. Is that correct or is that just it a perception that's, that's wrong? I think it might look like it because they also try to sleep in more during the weekends to kind of fix that sleep depth that they have acquired throughout the week. Um, and that's why it might seem like they sleep so much more. But they don't need more. They don't necessarily need more. There's kind of like this end shape throughout our age um, mm -hmm. that we need a little more sleep when we're very infants to kids and then kind of inc like increases to what we say, like seven, eight hours, the gold standard of sleep. And then it goes down again for when we're older, like our sleep needs. So are why do the elderly shape. need less? It's the it's not necessarily that my need less. It's a homeostatic pressure. It changes throughout our lifespan. Um, so again, it might be slowed down, or um, they would have more frequent awakenings at night. The elderly. Um, oh, am I? By the way, that was an mm -hmm. assumption I made that the elderly need less sleep. Am I right about that? In general. It's not necessarily that they need less sleep. Um, it's more that they don't get enough of the sleep or more consistent. They don't have that one chunk of sleep. Their sleep is more disrupted. Correct. So they just, that's why you have early <laughs> morning, um, early bird specials are more often geared towards the elderly because they're up earlier. But that's because they just, at some point throughout the night, they kind of give up and like, okay, I'm just going to hmm. proceed with my day. At least that was my experience working with an elder population, especially at the VA. Um, okay, so you're saying you don't think they need less sleep, but you do think that their sleep is more disrupted. Correct. Okay, yeah. Exercise. Mm -hmm. I have personally found that it's really helped the quality of my sleep. And I've done my own experiments with, you know, <laughs> do exercising or not exercising. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's so clear. I sleep much better when, when I have regular exercise. Mm -hmm. I mean, exercise is very helpful for your body, well-being, mental well-being, physical well-being, definitely for your sleep. But it's not as recommended to do any intensive exercising right before bedtime. So two, three hours before bedtime, I would not necessarily recommend going through intense, um, I don't know what's intense workout right now, like a very like intense, you know, kickboxing class, for instance. So, but to have something more lighter, like what will be a stretching or yoga before, right before bed is highly recommended. More intense workouts much earlier throughout the day. Okay. But if you do intense workouts earlier, will it help with sleep? Definitely. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't do them right before bed. Yes, because then you stimulate your body too much that it cannot just easily fall asleep. It's going to yes. have too much of the arousal. What about cognitive strategies that could help? In, and I'm referring to things that you can tell yourself mm -hmm. to surrender 
to sleep because part of sleeping is just surrendering to it. And Mm -hmm. it's almost as if you're, if you're working too hard, you're not surrendering and that goes against sleep. Exactly. You actually hit right right on the nail right there. Um, Oftentimes, um, they even studies actually on this. So uh, if you have individuals and tell them you need to fall asleep, even the good sleepers, regardless if they have sleep problems before or not, good sleepers will have difficulties falling asleep if told you need to fall asleep. <laughs> if you're told. <laughs> exactly. Because it's like you're, you're then thinking, like, okay, I need to, like, you're kind of working to fall asleep. And if you're working to fall asleep, you're not going to be able to fall asleep because you're, like, you're activating your thinking process and your brain mm-hmm. is like, okay, wait, we need to do something. We need to think of how we can fall asleep. And you're not going to really fall asleep that way. Um, the best way to do it is kind of how you said, like surrendering to it. So even mm-hmm. if you're having difficulty falling asleep, if you're going to lay in bed, let's say 15, 20 minutes, don't stay too long in bed. If you cannot fall asleep, get up, do something more mundane, you know, maybe light the housework, um, do a Sudoku, light stretching, go back to sleep when you're feeling a little bit more tired late in bed because you don't want to get your body used to I'm feeling up and awake when I'm laying in bed because bed is just for sleep and sex. That's all. Yes, um, you want to associate it just with that mm-hmm. and nothing else. Nothing else. You don't want to eat in bed. You don't want to watch TV in bed. Nothing very intense. Not even having mm-hmm. arguments in bed. That's not going to be very helpful. Um, but going back to that kind of like falling asleep. So the best way to do it is even when you're falling, thinking like, oh my God, I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm not going to get enough sleep for tomorrow. I'm going to be so tired to just be like, you know what? Okay, so I'm going to be tired. To kind of just kind of accept and kind of in a way surrender to yes. the, if I'm not going to get sleep, I'm not going to get sleep and just attempt to calm your mind and body to kind of quiet it down that way. Not necessarily like force, mm-hmm. I need to be quiet. It's kind of like, okay, so I'm accepting this. And in that way, you actually will fall asleep much faster. Yes. Uh, my friend Jeanette likes to tell herself, I don't have to feel perfectly comfortable all the time. If one day's harder, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Right. Yeah. It's true. We can get by. Oh, yeah, definitely. We we don't need to have perfect sleep all the time. And even having that standard, everybody says, like, you need to have the eight hours of sleep. That's not necessarily true. Not for everyone. Some people are considered, like, light, not light sleepers. They're, like, um, they need less hours of sleep, five to six hours of sleep. And that's perfectly fine. But when you're constantly being told you need eight hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep. So when you're laying in bed and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to only get five hours of sleep, you feel more of that pressure on yourself that like, I'm not getting that perfect sleep. Right. So that's going to just create just more anxiety and creates this vicious cycle where the next day you're going to feel like, oh, see, I was so tired this day and this time today I need to get better sleep which then unfortunately is going to get you just more anxiety about having perfect sleep. And then you're going to have more difficulty falling asleep. And then next thing, next sooner next, and you're going to have a sleeping disorder, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Repetitive bedtime routines I've mm-hmm. heard are very helpful. They are. Uh, it kind of helps your mind to come down or like relax or even for your body. Like even if you were tensed up throughout the day, but you have your set routine of, okay, so I'm going to, you know, play my music or brushing your hair, taking a shower, um, and just like kind of getting ready for bed. 
that kind of helps your body to be like, okay, and now I'm preparing myself. I'm about to fall asleep. So you're just kind of conditioning your body to like, this is the segue. We're about to go to sleep. So you would keep it the same mm -hmm. to tell your brain now is the time that we start to wind down. Yeah. It's kind of you condition your own body and your mind. And I did that by accident by I've created a habit of filling the dishwasher and then running it right before going to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I like the hum of the dishwasher. And the other day I, I ran the dishwasher earlier than my bedtime and all mm -hmm. of a sudden I got exhausted. <laughs> and I was like, why? And I thought maybe it's the dishwasher sound. I, I associate mm -hmm. that with, okay, it's bedtime. Yeah, but that's kind of what you did to yourself. It's kind of like the Pavlov dogs. I know my son's very <laughs> silly to consider that, but that's how you kind of trained your own body to be like, you hear the, the, you see the, you know, dishwasher, you hear the dishwasher, like, okay, well, it's bedtime now. So that's why your body's like, oh, here's our sound. Here's our reaction. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you were recommending that people do not lay in their bed when they can't sleep. Do not wait in yes, your bed. do not. If you're going to lay in bed when you're going to be awake and thinking, oh, I'm not getting my sleep or look at the time, do not look at the time. <laughs> the best thing is do not because that creates more anxiety for you. And then you're like, oh, wow, I'm, it's so late. I'm still not asleep. Why am I not asleep? And by just thinking those thoughts, when you have those cognitions running into your mind, you're just creating more of this arousal, whether it be physiological arousal because you start, your heart starts beating faster, you're breathing faster because you're like, wow, why am I not falling asleep? You're getting emotionally stimulated because you're getting anxious and nervous. And that just kind of creates this double arousal that's going to make it difficult for you to fall asleep. And it's just going to condition your body that if I'm laying in bed, I'm going to be this aroused. Um, and as with your dishwasher, you're not going to fall asleep. Then next time you're going to fall to bed, even no matter how tired you are, you're going to lay in bed and then your body out of nowhere, you feel just so awake and you're like, wow, why am I not falling asleep? But that's because you're conditioning your body to, if you lay in bed, you're going to be anxious. Do you have any other tips for listeners about their mm -hmm. best sleep and sleep hygiene? Um, definitely develop that um, kind of like this routine before bedtime. It's very helpful to, you know, turn down any possible noises or like minimize them to whether you have the sound machine or like even, the, you know, the sound of the dishwasher because it's nothing necessarily like something is starting like with TV when you have not nowhere loud yeah. noises from a commercial or something. Um, but it's like a constant noise um, to, you know, kind of finish up with whatever chores they have to be able to even be grateful for what they were grateful for today, you know, do some light stretching. Um, and even if they were, I don't know, and upset about something to just kind of be able to find a little moment to either meditate or to do some breathing exercises to kind of help themselves calm down and, just get ready for bed. So even like sitting and a lot of times people, if they cannot fall asleep, lay in bed with their phones on and just keep scrolling and checking stuff. Not necessarily helpful because one, you get screen time. And another time is um, you might find something that's going to be upsetting to you or you're going to be just doing things that just sacrifice your sleep because you're going to be worried, for instance, you're way too interested on a topic or um, it's going to be an upsetting topic, bring back some memories topic, and that's just going to not be very helpful for your sleep. 
So just to kind of have this nice calming routine, like hour before bedtime is the best thing ever. Holly nice. recommend. Do you have one? I try to have one. <laughs> is it always helpful? It's difficult, but it's getting better. I know that it's definitely difficult for college students who actually have the most sleep difficulties um, because they cannot develop that sleep hygiene. Because when they were in a home, uh, you know, when they were teenagers, they oftentimes have this like, set routine from the parents, like, okay, this is bedtime, you cannot really go to sleep or you have to wake up early. But when they're in college, they won't have roommates. They cannot really control the noise levels or light levels. Um, they cannot control, you know, when someone's going to walk into a room or not walk into a the room. They have that sense of independence. Um, they're like, oh, now I can decide my own. So like your circadian rhythms get thrown out basically out the window, <laughs> you know, out the window. Mm. Um, so they always have difficulty. Plus you're living in small quarters, so you don't even have a place to separate your bed space to be just for uh, sleep and sex. It's just more like you do your homework on it, you study on it, you watch TV, you do all these other things, you hang out with your friends in the one space. So that's why a lot of times people start creating these very unhealthy habits in college time. Um, so I'm still trying to work on mine, <laughs> but it's getting better and better. Um, it's kind of like reflecting yourself on figuring out what else could be even done better. I do my little candles, for instance. I put like either eucalyptus or lavender candles to kind of create more of this like relaxation aroma in the room and just be able to calmly go to sleep. Yes. You mentioned a life hack. Yes. So I have interesting life hack I kind of developed <laughs> recently. Yeah. So I know it's like we're talking about sleep, um, but this is like if you're living by yourself or for instance, if you are stranded in the middle of nowhere and this kind of reminded me also of when we got here. Of what? Um, of when, when we you got here, yes. So like, there's like really nothing to kind of like stop by. So for instance, if your car gets, um, you know, you can not start your battery. So what I did a couple of weeks ago, um, my battery died because I left the light on smartly. I was so tired, just left the car and left the light on. And the next morning, I could not turn on my car. So um, I got my cables ready, got prepared, like, okay, let's find someone to help me jumpstart the car. Nobody. And it was daytime too. I'm like, nobody was around. So I called delivery. I decided to order lunch and have it delivered to my car. <laughs> Like when the person came, I actually ordered from a restaurant that was right across the street from my apartment. <laughs> so they were, you want us to walk in? I'm like, no, 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 I need your car. And they're like, what do you mean you need our car? I'm like, because I'm parked outside, stranded. I need you to jumpstart my car. So literally, I then got not only my lunch, but I also got my car started. <laughs> Two and one. That was a great idea. Yeah. So that's a life hack. Thank if you're you, stranded Anna. somewhere, call up for delivery. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show and, and teaching all of us about proper way to sleep. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of Psychology America with Dr. Alexandra, show your support by leaving an awesome rating on iTunes. If you'd like to share your comments or ideas about this podcast, follow us on Facebook under Alexandra Miller. Lastly, Dr. Alexandra has written an inspiring children's book entitled There's Always Hope. A story about overcoming, which is beautifully illustrated by Brianna Giasulo. There's Always Hope, a story about overcoming, teaches children about finding joy and gratitude, even when things don't go exactly as planned. 
and can be found at psychologyamerica.com or amazon.com.